Hello, I'm Charles Clausen, your host of the Ampex Podcast, a show where we engage in conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators whose wild ideas and exponential thinking are reshaping the universe where we live, play, and work. I believe these powerful conversations will inspire you to pursue your dreams. So I'd love to welcome Mona DeFrari. Mona is a, a entrepreneur. Uh, she's an um, amazing woman and entrepreneur. She's done four tech startups. She's helped uh, John Hopkins University College of Engineering with her first entrepreneurial classes. She's been named by um, Forbes as one of the most powerful women in technology. And she's doing a lot of work in, in FinTech, has been named as one of the top 100 women in FinTech. So we're looking forward to our conversation today, Mona. And um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's my pleasure to be here. I think I'd like to start a little bit by your most, um, with your most recent venture with Radivision. And, um, you know, I know the, um, the company's name is based on breaking it up into radical and visionaries and helping entrepreneurs navigate all the craziness in um, in business today. It's um, we're moving from the entrepreneurial uh, revenue or into the entrepreneurial revolution, and also this age of AI has just exploded in the last two or three months. So everything is changing, quantum mm -hmm. computing, cheap storage. So tell us a little bit about your vision. What inspired your vision, and uh, you know. What are your massive transformational purposes that you're trying to achieve as a female entrepreneur? Wow. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So I've been in the startup ecosystem for three decades. Uh, I've been part of 12 startup teams, and this is my fourth um, startup that I founded and CEO of. And uh, Radivision is television for radical visionaries. So it's a streaming network. So if you think ESPN covers the world of sports, we're like the ESPN for entrepreneurship. And uh, we are here to help both entrepreneurs on the business side and um, everybody else begin to participate in this new economy. So yes, you are 100% right. We are no longer in the industrial revolution. We are in the entrepreneurial revolution. And yes, of course, technology is an important piece of it, but it's really about ownership also. It's understanding that equity is the new money. Um, and it's it's not just about technology. So as as corporate jobs shrink, and we've seen a lot of that happening um, recently in the last year, and also a decade ago, um, the world has changed dramatically. And you know, Warren Buffett said, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, that the way he's seen the most wealth be created in the United States is by owners who build one business, who basically put a chunk of their lifetime into building one business. And that's how you create wealth and generational wealth. And he, you know, obviously knows what he's talking about. And I've seen the same thing. So um, what I wanted to create with Radivision is I was traveling internationally in 14 through 16 and just totally shocked at the amount of entrepreneurial activity that was happening in places that I never thought I'd see it, like Egypt, where I was born, throughout the Middle East, um, all over the world. And everywhere I went, um, the red carpet would get rolled out. They were so hungry for anyone from Silicon Valley, any information that they could impart. I was meeting crown princes, every sovereign fund opened their doors. And I was taking deals internationally at the time and working with the accelerators and the founders. And I was amazed at how little you know, infrastructure they had, the angels didn't know how to invest, they didn't understand. And we have so much wisdom and so much information here in Silicon Valley. And they weren't getting it over there yet. So I thought we need, there is a need, you know, there's this huge global demand for entrepreneurial content. There's trillions being invested by governments worldwide to create entrepreneurial economies in their countries. And yet, the information wasn't being disseminated um, very well. So to so, put, put things in, in context, Mono, there's what, close to 100 million entrepreneurs in the world? Well, according to the Global Entrepreneurship Network, um, there's 100 million new businesses being created every year. So that includes all businesses, and not necessarily tech or venture backable. Um, but then at the same time, you have 90% of all businesses trying to raise venture capital, failing to raise 
So there's all sorts of issues, you know, creating, but there's so many new businesses that are being created. And this is very different. I've lived through this ecosystem for three decades now. And it was, you know, I worked for 10 years in the 90s, um, helping manage four IPOs for venture-backed companies and then manage, you know, helping them execute the IPO, working closely with my CEO and CFO. And then after the bankers would leave, I would manage their IR, PR, and um, shareholder communications and, um and it was a very different world. Companies went public in three to five years. Now it's 11 to 13 years, probably going to 14, 15 years. Thank you, economy. Um, so the world has changed dramatically, you know, during this time. And I think we've sold a lot of people this excitement and passion. And, and you know, that, that train has been going for a long time. It's a very different train station today. Um, you basically, the venture world used to be early stage, and now everybody's looking for the unicorn. You have to have this huge size business. So there's there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of potholes that people can step in. Um, we already know that 90 to 95% of all businesses fail. So are, are we really, you know, and, and oh, the, another statistic, 60% of all college graduates are graduating, not looking for a corporate job, but for an entrepreneurial career. And 17% graduate with a business already started. So are we really serving our you know, future generations by selling them this entrepreneurial dream and then making it so impossible for them to succeed. And, um, you know, the stress that it takes, the, you know, financial stress that it takes, there's a lot of um, history and, you know, about how, um, you know, control and management and fraud and, you know, all sorts of things within the industry. Um, so in fact, I actually created a show called How to Not Get Effed. And it's really about how to create success. And so we want to share like all the ways that people have gotten effed in the past, you know, whether it's an investor getting effed or a founder getting effed or society getting effed. There's many ways that this can go sideways. And so if you know where the potholes are, you can avoid them. Great. So hopefully, yeah, we increase the success level. So that's so you you mentioned you're kind of based in the epicenter of or the historical epicenter of imagination and innovation in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. um, it seems that um, other countries, China, India, other parts of the world are starting to emerge as innovators. And I, I know the um, National Science Foundation is concerned about our country's ability to innovate. And they've got some initiatives to form regional innovation engines to help get the things between Silicon Valley and Boston up and going and support, you know, innovation throughout the country. But um, let's start on a macro basis with the world of innovation and entrepreneurship and the U.S., our standing as a country in that and, you know, some of the risk and what Radivision is trying to do to help um, create a platform to help everyone navigate and specifically women navigate um, some of the challenges that are, are coming. And great news is if you have a big enough vision and with AI and all these convergence of technologies to, you know, quantum sensing and robotics and the cheap storage and access to information, it's going to be much easier um, for people to come up with new applications, but the, the risks don't get any, any less. They just move a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and Radivision is here to help everybody participate. Um, it's not just for women. I, I think that's a common um, mis, you know, perception. We do have a community for women called Sheikonomics. We also have a community um, called Black is the New Green. You know, we have our own live interactive um, interview show and so on. We're trying to, you know, hit those areas that are hardest hit and, you know, open more um, opportunities there. But yeah, so the technology, it kind of scares me, actually, it's moving so fast. We, we've seen, you know, the problems. I mean, this happened in the Industrial Revolution. We're just echoing what happened 100 to 150 years ago, where, you know, industry really took off and people moved out of the home, you know, um, work in the home to factories. And remember, they were, they had children in factories, there were deaths and all sorts of problems, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of abuse of the workers, you know, it took time to evolve before industry, you know, caught up and, you know, rights were respected and so on. And what we're doing here is still relatively new. Look what's happened with social media over just the last 10, 15 years and teenage suicide rates and these challenges on TikTok where, you know, teenagers are dying, you know, from them and all the, uh, you know, so the, there's upside and there's downside, just like everything in life, 
you know, everything is a double-edged sword. And so one of the things I would love to see, and you're such a leader in this space, Charles, is, you know, people to look ahead of time and say, okay, what are the potential problems and how can we, you know, have some prevention in there? So if people are more thoughtful going in rather than coming in after the fact and, you know, trying to fix things, but that's kind of a separate issue. What I'm trying to do right now is, allow everybody to participate. So we know that, um, you know, this is basically an industry for the elite, um, the, only the qualified institutional buyers with assets of 100 million plus, you know, this is an SEC definition for an investor. Um, they're allowed to come in and out and invest and they have all sorts of tools and they're professionals, they're institutional investors. They can invest in this in this area. And we also have accredited investors um, with a net worth of a certain amount. They keep, they've just changed the definitions recently to make it accessible to even more people. And it also includes sophisticated people, you know, you and me who are in the industry, who have insider information and, and know some of how this works, but it's extremely sophisticated. You have to have legal knowledge, financial knowledge, um, technology knowledge. You have to know what you're getting into to invest properly. But when you do invest here, regardless of the 13 year bull market, the private markets, this is just private equity too, which is lower, has been producing 70% higher returns year over year for the last 20 years. Um, so they're 70% above the bull market. So this is part of the reason you see this massive wealth divide that's happened in the United States. Um, and it's a difference between those who have access to the private markets or venture-backed companies, companies that are not yet public, and those who don't have access. So in the 90s, when I managed four IPOs and their aftermarkets over a 10-year period straight, 50% um, of my shareholder base was retail investors or consumer investors, sometimes called Main Streets investors. These are all synonyms. And how does the average person get exposure to the 70% asset class? Right now, there's a very, very small way to do that, and it's not ideal. Um, and the SEC has been working for 13 years to deliver retail investor private market access. So they've approved crowdfunding, for example, and they've recently um, increased the limits. So you can raise up to 5 million under Reg CF, regulation crowdfunding, and up to 75 million under Reg A+. But you know, having the regulation, which is usually the hardest thing, they've already approved that. So the red carpet is rolled out. But people don't understand that stocks are, are sold, they're not bought. There in the 90s, there was a whole infrastructure that supported the sale of stocks. Today, not so much. And so we actually experimented with a crowdfunding campaign and, and experienced firsthand how difficult it is. And so part of what Radivision is here to do is create a platform leveraging the power of media as a mass consumer communication device and a way to engage mass consumer audiences globally and give them content that is entertaining just like TikTok is entertaining and Netflix and Disney are entertaining. So if you go to radivision.com, you'll see a Disney plus Netflix plus user interface looking system, but it's also integrated with a social network like LinkedIn so that every video you watch, you can immediately connect to the founders, to the company, see what opportunities they have, what products they have. So it's an entryway, a gateway for consumers to come in and begin to engage. And what I learned from my 10 years doing IPOs, regardless of how B2B they were and how tech they were, one good PR story and the stock price would move. Of course, you want it to be a sustainable move. You don't want to just hype a stock because it'll just bubble and burst. You want to have real value there. And I believed in all of the companies I worked with. I was very, very passionate and still am about the amazing heroes that are building companies and curing cancer and delivering, you know, cures and therapies for, um, you know, terrible diseases and conditions. And I know you were a um, healthcare CEO for many, many years and doing that as well. And so these aren't the comic book heroes. These are the real life heroes, you know, fixing these big problems of humanity. And that's how entrepreneurs create value is by fixing real problems. So by supporting entrepreneurship, you not only are delivering, you know, improvements to the quality of life, um, and you're improving the greatest way to create wealth. So our brand is the belief that entrepreneurship is the greatest way to, you know, deliver, to improve the quality of life and to create wealth. Um, and we want everybody to be able to play in this field. And by doing that, hopefully, you know, many, many more worthy um, founders and startups will get funded, deliver their value to society, deliver tremendous, you know, gross domestic product to the United States and help 
improve the economy for all of us. And we need it more than ever right now. So um, just so our, our, our viewers <laughs> understand, Mona's been involved in raising over $11 billion in capital over her career. And she's seen the biases and she's seen what can happen. I think one, one thing that's important to maybe note a little bit about Radivision is that um, so much of the news today is negative and, and um, the rate of anxiety and depression and suicides, as you made reference to early, is increasing. But I think what one of the things that Radivision does is it gives um, a hope for a better future. And there's so many people, young and old, that with the technologies that are emerging today, can make a difference, can change the world. And, you know, Red Vision has communities that can come together to help each other. But the future of these innovation ecosystems is about collaboration and cooperation. And it's, these problems are bigger than any one person, but when you bring together a bunch of people with the passion level that Mona has, then these, these global challenges of humanity can be addressed and solved from a forward-looking, um, positive point of view. So, you know, I think it's great that you've created this, this, this network that people can actually get great content. They can learn something about entrepreneurism, but it also creates hope for a better future and, and gives them a pathway to start thinking about and imagining and engaging with it. So I just wanted to make sure that everyone understands that, you know, the future is abundant um, or it's a nightmare depending on your point of view, but when you see the technologies that are coming, there's a lot of abundance um, as we work through these, these problems. Yeah. Beautiful, beautifully said. And there is this great abundance. And then now we have to funnel it all through the financial system, right? Because that's the currency of our society, literally the currency. And the financial system's consciousness is doggy dog, right? So, and that's not a collaborative, cooperative consciousness, you know? So I see that as like a crux to it. So it's kind of interesting that at this point in my career with my fourth and final startup um, that, you know, we're really realigning the financial system to true value creation is, is what we're working to do. And we're talking about retail investors, you know, people dismiss them, oh, they're small investors, it's annoying, crowdfunding starts at $100 per person. But you collect this together, it's a $64 trillion investable asset pool, $64 trillion. All of venture capital throughout history, assets under management, is that's how they count it from the very first dollar they raised, even if it's been raised and distributed, $900 billion in January of, 22, of 23, $200 billion of dry powder. Okay, so 1% of 64 trillion is 640 billion. It's gonna shake up what's happening in venture capital. That's three times, 1% of that pool is three times the dry powder of um, what's available in venture. And this is not insignificant and it's not gonna cut out venture. We, I would love for retail investors to have a piece, you know, 5% or maybe up to 20% of Sequoia's next fund or, Andreessen Horowitz's next fund, and also fund a lot of um, emerging managers. That's something that um, is not yet allowable under the SEC's regulations, but why shouldn't it be? It actually offers the retail investor more protection. It gives them the alpha of management. It gives them GP reserves, you know, invested that, you know, offer risk protections and, and diversify portfolios versus one at a time. And so I think there's an infrastructure already there in the markets that can be supported. And of course, everybody, you know, would like more LPs. Um, and I think there's a, a tremendous social impact also, because then you're lowering the wealth divide um, throughout the country, which is creating a lot of the political polarity, a lot of the division in our country, because, uh, you know, people are angry. They, you know, this, the next generation is not living as well as the past generation. Um, my, I have three millennial kids and they're all doing really well and have great salaries and they're all struggling to buy their first home now. And I already had my first home five years before them, you know, so um, it's, you know, I'm seeing it, you know, in, in my own family, very highly educated, you know, all the advantages in life. And um, so, and there's a lot of people without all those advantages that are struggling even more And the homelessness issue here in California, you, you see it everywhere. I grew up in a country, I was, you know, 
born in one of the poorest places on earth in Egypt and 95% of the population was living in poverty today. It's 70%. And so I saw it walking to school. My first memory of money was begging my grandmother for a penny to give to the beggar woman who was staying at the corner of the, the block as we walked out the front door and went to the side to get to the garage of her building. And and it made me so happy. She was so happy to receive that penny. And so ever since then, I've been a humanitarian at heart. Like I really want to give everybody, you know, that and give them and have that happiness, you know, light up in them that they have hope they can eat that day and move on. Um, so I see all this tremendous innovation, so many founders with great companies that are all struggling. I talk to them all the time. And I built a platform that will that's basically like an IR and PR platform. It gives them a way to tell their story. And there's they're all heroes. Their stories are all amazing. They are inspiring people. They are inspired and passionate about what they do. They've taken tremendous sacrifice to build what they have. And most of them, if not all of them, are struggling to get the funding. And there's so much time wasted in getting funding already. Like, give them, let them do what they do best. Let's create an infrastructure that supports bringing this innovation to market. And so everybody can benefit. And then also let everybody play. So it's, it's a 90% problem. 90% of founders don't get funded. 90% of investors who are not qualified institutional or accredited with access. Um, there's many accredited who don't have access. So those 90% can get together. And with one solution, we can solve, you know, by streamlining um, the opportunities with the capital that's there. Well, that, so so that, that's, that, that's yeah. I mean, that's fantastic, Mona. The, um, you know, I'm, I'm the, the words dog eat dog, uh, the financial world kind of resonates in the back of my mind. And I, you know, I think that's problematic um, at some sense. So, in, you know, in the future, um, we've had plenty of unicorns, which are billion dollar companies. And sometime in the next five years, we'll have our first uh, trillion dollar company. I don't know what we call that, but the, the wealth. Well, disparity... Apple already passed that, right? And no, I mean, uh, oh. yeah, well, yeah. Um, um, you know, Elon Musk has gotten close a couple of times that, you know, oh, that's right. Tesla also reached. Yeah. A trillion. But, mm -hmm. Um, the, the growth of some of these unicorns, there's a, I met a doctor last week at the abundance 360 event, Dr. Tim Nelson. And there's, there's new forms of models emerging. Uh, Tim, um, partnered with, um, the Warnick family and they asked him, they had a daughter who had a congenital, um, heart defect. Mm -hmm. And they said, if you will commit to solving this problem, we'll commit to funding you. And I think it was, they started with a $35 million commitment and they're in the phase two clinicals right now. But what they do is they scrape some stem cells, uh, scrape some cells off your, uh, your arm and over seven months in a, a glass big beaker, they grow your stem cells then they teach those stem cells uh, how to grow heart seeds, I mean, uh, heart cells. So they basically create a seed, they inject it into the heart, then it regenerates the heart over about three months and totally eliminates it. But this, this technology can be used for adult regenerating hearts, it can be used for eventually for livers or pancreases, but you know, there's amazing technologies. And Dr. Nelson is just one example, but the way he did it and the collaborations that he did with ac other academic institutions and with uh, philanthropist investors, and uh, he's changed the whole model. I mean, he would be a great story to get on Radivision because, uh, it. but it's, it's changing the world. And you, you talked about the energy and historically in the industrial revolution, we had this kind of patriarchal command and control energy. And those old forms of patriarchal structure are changing, they're crumbling, and there will be new forms of organizations and networks and ecosystems that really come together to innovate. And those are being defined as we speak. And I think, um, you know, watching Radivision and what you're doing will give you exposure or give our audience exposure to what's possible and what people are doing and change their way of thinking and also place them in a community where they can take their biggest fears and their biggest passions and talk about it and share it and build support around their ideas. So I think what you're doing 
hopefully changes this dog eat dog mindset. And hopefully um, the, the equity of retail investors changes. So what are the biggest obstacles from your point of view to get um, the funds or the structures created so retail investors can come in and invest 25 or 50,000 or 100,000 in um, some of these new tech startups? Yeah, I just have to say, I almost like teared up listening to you tell the story of Dr. Nelson and his invention, like what an amazing invention. That's why I I'm doing what I'm doing because I really believed in the entrepreneurs and believed, you know, in the heroes and was very passionate about it. So I think, um, yeah, so we'd love to tell this story, obviously. Um, and I and I know many people will be very inspired. So, and that's why our logo is the star, you know, it's this inspiration coming from above that we're bringing down here to earth and, you know, delivering great products to people. And um, so inspiring content is fun. It's entertaining. Um, but we know from 14 years of Shark Tank, which is really about the only show, there's a couple of smaller ones that are interesting. I've watched them all as part of my research, but 14 years of Shark Tank. And we know of the Shark Tank effect that being on stage, the PR opportunity, the viewers click like crazy. They buy millions of dollars of products overnight. They download apps by the millions. You can Google it and read all about it. And yet um, the show gets none of that. It's basically a show. It's a game show, right? And um, only the the uh, the sharks can invest. And so what we want to do is, and what we've already done, is basically activate a third click, which is the ability for the audience to say, hey, I'm interested in investing. And right now, um, the SEC makes it possible to connect through a crowdfunding site. So if that company is available and has, you know, has something available, then we have that link so that companies can leave Radivision, um, viewers can leave Radivision and go take a look and participate, or there can be a request that goes to the company and a company is allowed to have up to 35 retail investors, um, you know, directly into a Reg D or another offering. Um, oh, it's, so it's limited at 35 investors. You can't. Well, that's for 30. Reg D, but not oh. for uh, Reg CF or A plus. Um, those, those have different limitations so they can have more investors. Um, but so the, the limitations in the structures right now is I think this puts the onus on the retail investors to do all the work. You know, these are, you know, teachers. I mean, I when in our campaign, we had a gentleman who ran a golf course, you know, who's he, he managed a golf course for most of his life. He was looking for a way. There was a woman who had a small child and also took care of her elderly father. And she said she was investing $100 and saying, I want to leave something for my child. Um, the stories were really touching. In fact, I met a woman who was brilliant and working for a media company run by private equity. And we developed a relationship. And now I'm, I'm adding her to my board. Um, hopefully this week she'll sign in because she can deliver great value to me. She knows the industry better than I do, the media industry. And um, so it was it was really heartwarming for me to see who these people were and how they connected, but they're only able to come in to a crowdfunding site. So they have to know they're interested in crowdfunding. They have to come in, they've got to apply, which shouldn't take too long. And then they've got to go through all these companies, ostensibly do the research themselves, know what they're getting themselves into. Right now it's more like gambling, you know, or they feel they resonate. Like, I guess they watch it like a shark tank and say, oh yeah, I like it, I can click. Um, I believe that there's a whole financial infrastructure there already. You have Vanguard, Fidelity, um, you know, all sorts of um, ETFs, even Robinhood has public ETFs. There's most of these um, investors have to invest in uh, public um, stock, which has very limited ability to produce returns relative to the private markets. Um, and so I would love to see the SEC consider, you know, allowing, uh, you know, more of these funds make investments and open up uh, private market products to the retail investors so they can be more passive. They're busy, they're teachers, they're firemen, you know, running golf courses, taking care of elderly parents. So they need professionals. I mean, even the uber wealthy, usually they have professional financial managers making these decisions for them. They're not, you know, putting it in themselves. So um, I think you know, it, it, to me, it doesn't make sense why they can't, but I'm trying to study it and learn about it. And, um, but I would love to see also, you know, these other structures. So we actually did a whole infographic and an article about this. So you can see it on radivision.com. Um, if you go up to the upper menu bar, it says more, and then there's blog. And so there's a couple of articles in there and an infographic, which describes the different, um, the four different ways we think risk can be reduced for retail investors, which is totally aligned with the charter of the SEC. Um, and so why shouldn't 
you know, someone like Kathy Wood has already, you know, Kathy Wood Arc Investments has already created um, Arc Ventures, um, a fund run in collaboration with Titan, an app funded by Andreessen Horowitz. And um, so there's ways for people to, you know, retail investors to come in and invest there for with $500 or more. They also offer some limited forms of liquidity, which is another risk reduction option. Um, so I think that these ways to invest um, would expand on the crowdfunding. And most like Sequoia doesn't want to deal with $100 or $200 um, investors. However, the, there's 80 licensed crowdfunding platforms. They're expert at doing this. They can easily put together an SPV capable of writing a 10, 15, even $100 million check, you know, and then now that can be managed by professionals who, you know, there's one institutional investor in Sequoia or NEA or, you know, um, emerging managers. Let's put a whole lot more emerging managers out there because everybody's fighting for the late stage growth um, investment and, you know, driving prices up that are now going down. But very few people are actually doing true pre-seed and seed investment. And it would be easy to raise five, 10 million, you know, up to 75 million through crowdfunding. And we saw Arlen Hamilton from Backstage Capital about a year and a half ago, she went on Republic and in 24 hours, you know, sold out. She sold 10% of her GP. So she couldn't raise for her fund, but she raised for the general partnership, the management company, or it's like part of the managing structure for the actual fund. And so she was able to raise uh, 1.1 million, which was the limit at the time. Now that limit's been raised to 5 million through Reg CF. Um, but that would be, in my opinion, safer for the retail investor because you're getting the diversified portfolio, you're getting professional management with all the research staff, their analysts, you know, all the support that the retail investor can't have on their own. Um, and also what, people don't realize, I think this is the way to equalize the path and um, and to accelerate the path to IPO. Because back in the 90s, nearly 50% of my shareholder base was retail. And today it's almost zero. But you look at a company like Airbnb that had one of the most successful IPOs and aftermarkets, mm. most companies just crash out, especially the SPACs. Like they seriously crashed out their stock price after IPO. But Airbnb has done way better than most because they had already developed a natural direct-to-consumer brand and helped many people save their homes, you know, by being able to, you know, pay their mortgages by, you know, uh, renting out their extra space. And so they had a very passionate consumer base. And so when it came time for them to do their IPO, they did a direct listing managed by bankers as well, but um, they went first to their own constituency, their own community. And that's what Redivision helps do uh, for startups is build a community, have people fall in love with your brand, be able to follow you, hear your little updates, your little TikTok videos that we have on Redivision. On, we just hired this person. We just did this. So you follow a company, see when you're ready to invest. Is the investment direct? Is it through crowdfunding? Maybe in the future, they can do it through their IRA and 401k. This probably over 40 billion of that 64 billion is, is already invested in IRAs and 401ks that won't be touched for years and years. So liquidity is not an issue. Um, so we, you know, that's, we want to be part of that story. So I've been telling the stories of startups for 30 years. Um, and Radivision just tells the stories of startups at scale. And then we hope to be fill an important gap between this excellent regulation that's been started by the SEC to give the small investor access and now fill the marketing gap so we can connect more and more because there's a lot more people who want to be entertained then there are people going to crowdfunding platforms and clicking right now. Right. So how far are we away from an ARC investment style fund where a retail investor can put 500000 or or $1,000, I mean, 500 or $1,000 into a, um, a startup fund? Um, it's, it's happening right now. Um, I mean, she did a different structure, um, you know, which is publicly available. It's, you know, available on the edgar.gov um, database. Um, so we're studying that in-house, um, but we'd also, you know, she has a way of doing it. And I believe she's investing through secondaries, um, but I would love to see emerging managers get funded. There's so many excellent um you know, emerging VCs who want to raise anywhere from 10 million to 100 million. You have Adeo Resi, who created the Founder Institute. He now has VC Labs. So I've been, I've been mentoring at FI for over 10 years now. And um, his new VC Labs is excellent. So they take, um, 
they have so many people applying and they put them through a very rigorous process. And, um, and so this would be a, a great way to help fund many of the graduates coming from that program and then help get more companies funded in that way. So, so I, do, I really, does Radivision help bridge the, um, these, these funds with potential retail investors or how far are you away from yeah, that? Yeah, that's my goal. So I want to tell the stories of these great emerging VCs, right? And then people can watch it just like they do a, a Shark Tank episode. And if they like it, if something resonates with them, then they can click and get more information. So we're the media company. We're just, you know, Bloomberg for startups or Netflix for startups. Um, we're here to connect people. We're here to tell the story. And also, um, you know, we have user-generated content. So just like LinkedIn and other social networks, people can come in and create their profile page as a person and as a company. On the company page, there's an opportunities um, tab where you can, you know, list or have uh, URLs to find out about career opportunities. So there's a lot of ways for investors, you know, retail investors to participate. They don't have to start a company. Everybody's all about, let you know, become an entrepreneur, become an entrepreneur. Well, you're talking about an up to 14-year you know, process where you're imprisoned essentially and other people will gain control because they're professional doggy dog investors and they're designed to do that, right? And um, and so there's a lucky few that make the big headlines. And so everybody lines up behind them and 90 or more percent will be disappointed and, you know, struggle through this process. So we want to make it more equitable, you know, make it easier, more informed and have many, many, many more winners. So my goal when I created the private markets um, with Inside Venture in 2007 was to fix the IPO crisis. That was literally the goal of the NVCA and the chairman at the time, Dixon Dole, um, who's amazing, DCM Capital. Um, and we did, you know, we came out with, um, and my company became pillar two of the four pillar plan. You know, it highlighted that pillar of these additional liquidity platforms. And our goal was to bring back IPOs. And we, Silicon Valley was able to pull out of the last recession much faster than the rest of the country, um, because we had all these public investors, the public markets were dead and they were starting to invest in private. And we brought private equity in and crossover in and, and all this stuff. And so we want to be a part of this at Radivision also and help you get the story out and then use AI also um, as more and more people come to the platform, we'll be able to match the viewers, you know, once they become members and also give us more information, what they're interested in, we can make sure that they're getting the information they want, that they're connecting to the right opportunities. I mean, these things are hidden. They're very hard to find otherwise. So there's this gigantic ecosystem that's scattered. It's opaque. It's private. It's, uh, you know, a relationship network. And, you know, we want to add structure to it, transparency, and then with the help of AI, be able to connect this massive global ecosystem in a way that's very easily searchable. Um, we can slice and dice it. If you want women-founded firms, you know, well, here's a list. And if you want women-founded uh, healthcare firms in Oregon, you know, or you know, we can help you eventually find that. I mean, we've been building for six years at Radivision. We have a massive platform. It's very similar to what Disney Plus and Netflix have built and um, and lots of LinkedIn with it. And yet there, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this is like the world of sports. You know, there's yachting, there's football, there's tennis, there's basketball, there's everything. And we have the same thing with entrepreneurship. There's microfinance, there's, you know, all sorts of ways to slice and dice this industry. Um, we have a lot more education that we want to put here to support people too, but I know that, you know, Fidelity and Vanguard and there's so many amazing institutions already exist and it's just really about connecting people. So first and foremost, Radivision intends to be this hub, a central hub. It's the first gateway for people to come to, to learn about entrepreneurship, just to be entertained by inspiring, passionate people and, um, and then you can do the one thing Shark Tank won't let you do yet, which is to click and invest um, or, you know, be introduced to investors and investment opportunities. So you sound like you've completed phase one or kind of the base foundation, Mona. What are the next couple um, phases and what are the, the key challenges as a CEO that you have to sort out and work your way through? Yeah, so we have an amazing product. We've loaded it with a ton of great content. There's, I think, almost 60,000 pieces of content on the site. A lot of it's user-generated now, so it can really start to fly. 
And um, we're now focused on bringing users to so telling the world about it. So thank you for the opportunity to tell your audience uh, about what we're doing and how we can help them. And um, so bringing the users, both the startups who are content creators and the viewers who are content consumers, you know, into a marketplace, uh, media marketplace. And then um, we're building partnerships every day. Um, so, you know, we're a B2B to C platform. So for example, Trinet, the human resources solution provider um, discovered us early. They partnered with us. They created a show called Sheikonomics um, and beautiful eight episodes on the show, you know, and the everybody, the users get to use it for free, but Trinet helped pay for this in order to, you know, develop an audience and a community around women, um, women founders, women investors, and so on. Um, so the next steps for us are growing the users and growing revenues. So we're really focusing on, you know, what are the best um, revenue channels so that we can fund the operations? Because this is massive. I mean, I've, I've practically created a space startup. You know, it requires a massive amount of funding. I mean, Hulu had $100 million from day one from Providence Equity for 10% of the company. So they were valued at $10 billion before they were really building, right? They had the concept and a couple of people in place, but they also had um, Fox, um, Disney, and NBC through Comcast, which was owned by um, GE at the time. You know, so they had the the big customers for the content um, already in place, but they were valued at a billion dollars. So we know that we have this massive business um, and it takes a lot of funding. And people would probably be surprised that funding hasn't been easy for me since I, it's been easy to raise for other people. But Silicon Valley doesn't invest in media startups, regardless of the fact that I created the private markets and <laughs> billions of dollars and I've done all these IPOs. It's shocking to me how many people rejected even having a meeting despite you know, everything I've done, and this is my fourth startup, because they just don't invest in media. It was an immediate knee jerk. Um, and then others immediately confuse us. They think we're a crowdfunding site or a private market secondaries fund. And so they reject us right away based on the fact that they didn't even take the time to really read through or look at it. Um, and then um, the next challenge is, you know, having a SaaS revenue model because the industry is set up for cookie cutters and they they want to come in after you've proven the cookie cutter conveyor belt and then they just want to fuel the conveyor belt. And so that's where we are now. We've validated through big revenues. Our first sale um, was valued at half a million dollars. Um, we have a SaaS product um, that started out with 10,000 in monthly recurring revenues in the beta test. And so now we're scaling that. We want to get to you know millions of dollars um, monthly, be helping a lot of companies. Um, at once and you know and then now then applying the ai and then developing our investor lead generation so we have both a startup ecosystem um, generation model working with the the b2b companies here who want to serve startups and bring them in as customers and then also with the investors the, right now the crowdfunding platforms and the broker dealers who are licensed to have retail and and accredited investors um, also in deals so this is Women's History Month, and uh, I've been focusing on a lot of different women and amazing things they've done. And you you made reference that um, women founders are getting less than 2% of the VC funding. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you built your team and how you built the culture and how you navigated funding your startup, given the fact that you didn't have $100 million out of the shoot like Hulu and, you know, how do you navigate this, Mona? And, and you know, how do you? Uh, you know, it's been the most challenging thing I've ever done. And I'm not the only story who has this. I know too many amazing women founders who've been extremely challenged. But, you know, I was, you know, born into um, a very challenging third world country. You know, I was a ref political refugee at age six with my family. Um for over a year. And so I've had enough hardships in my life. And I think I have Sahara Desert genes. I can live through anything. So I have tremendous resilience and I have risked everything to be here. I've put everything into it. So I didn't start out wanting to do this. I came in, I, you know, had a nest egg. I put it in and said, okay, we'll get this going. This should be easy. I, you know, I'm going to get it started myself. So, um, but then the, with the startup challenges, I put more and more and more into it. So I've done a lot of self-funding. I'm about 3 million in at this point, a little bit more than that. And then we have angel investors. Everybody who's invested in the company is a true believer. And that's, I have an amazing group of angel investors and a couple of small funds. Um, we have a, a wonderful um, 
seed and pre-seed venture fund, 808 Ventures, who believed in us early and their GP art case is very involved. And um, and so now what we're doing is is we're being creative, you know. Um, so we were ready to go out for funding also in 2022, which was um, a terrible timing. Um, and but I think it's good because I'm kind of the canary in the coal mine, right? So I will test and find creative ways. And so now we're um, forming strategic partnerships. So there's a lot of strategic places. And then actually, Charles, you actually made a tremendous. Um, uh, referral, you introduced me to the Kaufman Foundation, who we had just coincidentally honored in Economics for Women's History Month, because they do a tremendous amount for women um, in entrepreneurship. And um, so I spoke to um, Andy, you know, who was amazing there, and he um, helped us, is helping us now in, introduce us to another organization who is appears to be a perfect fit. So we'll see how that goes. And so we're being creative, strategic partnerships and so on. But also we're at the point now where we can make revenues. Unfortunately, I built a big product. You know, I had I didn't want to just have a YouTube channel. You know, I wanted to build something big that would be scalable. I know this is um, you know, similar to ESPN. Um, they have a sports betting business. So people can come in and watch the games or at least get the programs, get the stats become educated and then click to be referred. And this is a multi-billion dollar business. Um, you know, they just signed a 3 billion naming rights deal with Caesars. Um, so our investor referral business can be that sizable or more um, and is very similar. So it's big scale. And I, I believe in what we're doing. We're really getting traction now. So companies believe in us there. A lot of people are signing up. Um, the crowdfunding industry has discovered us. They all really need help because every crowdfunding company struggles to get the word out. And our pitch planet has been shown to double the results, the number of video views for the same budget, because we create a community of companies and people come in to watch the show. You know, they come in and they'll watch eight videos, not just one. So you're getting some of those free seven video views from the other folks. And so companies can come in and allocate part of their marketing budget and get double the results. So now we're um, generating our own revenues. Um, we're looking to do strategic partnerships. Um, so we're reaching out to other media companies who might be interested, um, just like um, ESPN is owned by um, Disney. You know, so we'd love to be the um, ESPN for entrepreneurship for a with a great media partner and um, create that business for them. This is, a, you know, a massive, massive um, audience and um, and all the companies that are in the lead generation, you know, the content driven lead generation space, you know, companies like Credit Karma, NerdWallet, Smart Asset, they're all worth, you know, acquisitions at 8 billion, IPOs at 3 billion, um, last investments at over a billion dollars. So these are, you know, I believe in, in the, we'll reach the end. So it'll, we'll prove ourselves along the way. Everybody wants to invest once the um, the model is entirely proven de-risked, all the clients are there. It's just how do you get it funded to get there? So, you know, you donate blood sometimes, you, do, you donate organs <laughs> sometimes, you know. And so these, um, to, to be clear, um, for companies that might be interested in collaborating with um, uh, Radivision creating mm -hmm. these. I mean, really, what you're trying to do is be a, a player in um, navigating entrepreneurship in the future of the AI age. And um, what's the biggest value you can add to some of these partners, and why should they come to you today? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think this is a whole new white space in media. Media is a very saturated industry. There's multiple brands in almost every nook and cranny and very competitive. And yet around startups, there's this entire white space. There is no streaming network brand. Um, and so we want to fill that space and we want to do it in a next generation. We're not just a streaming company. We also are integrated socially and we have user generated content so people can control their narrative. So for startups, we really are an IR platform and a PR platform. And our goal as a company is to build a global audiences of hundreds of millions of users who are coming in to be entertained and be informed. I know even with my millennial children, nobody likes what mom ever does, but they were all like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we invest in these startups. Like they thought 
gotta be fun, right? It's a little bit like gambling or placing a sports bet, right? And you do that and it does take time to get the successes, but it's fun to track these companies, right? And to see them progress and to see, you know, them get through clinical trials or, you know, sign up their first thousand startups, you know, to come in and um, sign up partnerships with names and just to see it come together. I mean, we're, we're here to grow a movement and to really create a lot of impact. And yes, we're going to be creating tremendous wealth along the way um, for everybody, not just for ourselves. Um, but we're here to, you know, to make a big change and um, the industry really needs it. It's been successful, but it there's, it's so skewed to one side and in creating the private markets back in 0809 um you know that company was bought by second market and then they were bought by the nasdaq and then just in 2021 it was spun out into the nasdaq private market which was the original vision 14 years earlier to have a standalone private market um we achieved the vision but but everything got so skewed from that. I, I almost feel like I contributed to, you know, the first 80 companies we had were the first 80 unicorns. So we started that unicorn investing trend. And now everybody just wants to be in that late stage right before IPO. But then the IPOs don't even work. I think one of the biggest um, impacts we're going to have is to make IPOs more successful and to triple the number of IPOs. So all the bankers should be thrilled <laughs> about this because we'll make it so much easier for them to have great IR, to have a company that already has a great community. So I just saw an email that came through, uh, I think it was Start Engine, the crowdfunding platform had Heavenly Hawaiian, um, a coffee company um, that just raised $500,000 in their first two days. And the way they did it is because they had a really strong um, direct to consumer business. And so I don't know the business, but it's a great name. Um, and it was tremendously successful. And so that's what we want to do. We want to help every company, even if you're B2B, you still have a wonderful story and a passionate team, you know, a hero journey, which is not just about entrepreneurship. It's a fundamental, it's a part, it's a fundamental part of humanity, right? Everybody has life is a hero journey. And, um, but they were able to, you know, 500,000 like that because they already had the community. So we want every company to build a community. And then like that, when they're ready to invest, people line up. And then when they're ready for IPO, again, they invest. And this, I mean, this is like ready money for the bankers. And also this will be a passionate community that doesn't sell first day of trading. Because you see every, you know, like 200% of the IPO allocation trades in the first 48 hours. And that's been consistent for the last 15 years. Um, so you really want the passionate um, long-term believers to stay. And that's what we're building for all the companies. So tell us about Pitch Planet a little bit and what what that that show looks like and how it works. Yeah. So if you go to radivision.com right now, it's um, like the third carousel down. So you see the hero image, the first carousel is introducing new members, the radical visionaries, and then Pitch Planet. And so you can just come in right now and just watch pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch. And you can see the 99 second trailer and see if you like the company. And if you like it, you can click and watch the full episode, which is anywhere from three to 10 minutes. And if you like it, there's, you know, and want to learn more, there's a button that says more information. And that brings you to the opportunities page of that company's profile. So, you know, they were nominated by an entity and who nominated them? Trinet, SAP.io, um, Title III Funds, Founder Institute, WeFunder, several people made nominations. Um, that was for our beta um, test. And we had, there's over 30 companies on it now. And we have several partners who are now onboarding all of their companies. So we have hundreds and thousands of companies soon that'll be onboarded and joining. And you can even begin to search and you know select within a certain industry. So you're not looking at everybody. You can focus in on healthcare companies or early stage or late stage. Um, but right now you can just watch these episodes. You can click to get more information. And when you go to the opportunities page, the video will follow you. So you'll continue, you won't skip a step. And you can click to invest and go to their URL. If the company has a URL that's collecting names or um, already has a crowdfunding site, you can immediately go and with one more click be investing. Um, or uh, we will collect your information if you're interested in connecting to the company. Um, and remember, there's many ways to build your, your equity portfolio. You can be an employee who knows how to negotiate a good equity package. Um, you can 
invest through crowdfunding. You can become a founder. Um, so there's a few different, oh, you can also have a side hustle. So instead of driving an Uber or DoorDash for a side hustle, maybe you find a good startup that needs help. Maybe they need a driver. And instead you can be earning equity instead of um, just, you know, uh, a small wage that you have to pay taxes on. Um, and so maybe you can build it, your equity portfolio that way. But Part of our goal is to educate people on equity and why they should all have an equity portfolio because equity is definitely the new money and it works very differently from currency or from even crypto. Crypto is still digital currency. So it's a derivative and goes up and down in a different way, whereas equity can grow in, in a hugely different, more valuable way than just currency. So well, I'm thinking of the, the pitch planet and I mean, companies are obviously there trying to raise capital, but it's um, in the, these eco innovation ecosystems, it, it seems like one of the things that the community can do is people that are interested or have skills. I mean, you have some way where people can help that you can say, how can I help? You know, I've got these skills. And if you, do you have mm -hmm. some way to, to yeah, on the opportunity balance to the, uh, the yeah. companies and their needs and, you know, build yeah. these, I would love to do that. Scale. Yeah, that's one of the ways that I, I mean, I literally worked under equity as the new money. So we have so many. So we we probably have the equivalent of 15 million of funding, even though we only show 5 million on the balance sheet, because um, we have a lot of people that did it through accrued and through equity. Um, so I use this myself as a way to fund our operations. And um, we have on the opportunities tab, you can invest, you can look at the careers, you know, there's different opportunities that a company can have. You can buy their products. So we have a marketplace and you can go to their website and take a look at what they buy and buy it. Um, and you also can look at collaborations or partnerships. So anything else under there. So people can write in and say, hey, you know, I'd like to do a side hustle. And there are famous stories like the guy who did the mural at Facebook, um, right? They wanted to hire him. They were a startup. They didn't have enough money. And he was a famous artist at the time already. And so they paid him partly by equity. And his equity, I think, was worth at least 100 million, if not more, like when they went public. Um, so that's a great story. You have the Google masseuse who started. We've done social media posts on this. And um, she uh, was paid a small salary, like $450 a month. She was a part-time, you know, came in one or two days a week or something. And then um, she got equity on top of that. And she, you know, retired, has a philanthropic fund, you know, has done extremely well to have afforded that lifestyle. That's what equity can do for you. And that's why the wealthy who can invest in equity keep getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier and driving all the prices up. So even if you're working hard and growing at a decent pace, you're actually declining. Um, so... <laughs> You know, the top 10% that has access can do all these things, but you too can have access. You can be a Google masseuse. You can be, you know, the next Facebook mural artist. There's, there's lots of opportunities. So we'd love to be able to facilitate that as well. So um, I think what, what I'd like to maybe um, finish up with is um, talk about your, your journey in the early years and the influence of your grandmother, because you obviously have tons of energy, Mona. And the yoga, no, no shortage of passion. Yeah, that's right. We, Mona and I met probably 17 years ago on a yoga mat um, <laughs> um, in a big. Um, I think it was Fort Lauderdale. I was, you were reminding me it was a Florida workshop. Yeah. So we both we were, with the same teacher who would travel around the country. and Part of the Anya Sarda, Sara community and uh, just a, a lot of great souls and hearts and great heart connection. But Maybe talk about your grandmother and the, um, the influences and the memories that she um, keeps you going when things get tough. Yeah, yeah. So my grandmother was a definitely an unusual woman. I didn't realize some of these facts I didn't know till later. Like I only found out ten years ago that she was one of the first three women allowed to go to college in Egypt. Um, one became a lawyer, one became a dentist, and she was the first to graduate medical school in 1934. So she entered in 1929. You know, the rest of the world was going into a Great Depression. And here she was, she had this opportunity, and she had to kick ass and graduate top of her class. Um, but as a woman, they wouldn't allow her to be a surgeon, even though the top 
10% or so were allowed to be the surgeons. Um, they, they were like terrified. What do we do now? She actually graduated <laughs> and they let her be a pediatrician. And then she could only examine boys um, naked, you know, up to age six. And then it was waist up only, you know, very antiquated. Um, so talk about glass ceiling, you know? Um, so, you know, the glass ceiling is still there. Now I believe, you know, for at least the last 20 years, there've been like more women than men graduating medical school. My parents are both medical school uh, professors and research scientists. But definitely, you know, that made a big impression on me because I grew up with role models who were working. So I knew I wanted to have a family, but I never thought I wouldn't be working. Uh, my mother had her PhD from Berkeley at 23 as a neuroscientist um, and then did postdoctoral work at Cornell. And that's how they made it out of Egypt behind the Iron Curtain under the you know Russian influence that kicked out the British colonial rule and um, brought in the military government and um, and my parents found a way because they had established relationships at Cornell and um, they had jobs waiting. It took a long time to get the green cards through. So we traveled through Europe and um, and my father said, well, shame on us with two PhDs from Berkeley if we can't figure out a way to do this. So he was really my first role model for being an entrepreneur, making the impossible happen. Um, and that's what we do. We make the impossible happen. And um, things like the Silicon Valley Bank collapse, you know, just makes it take a little bit longer. You know, the 22 tech apocalypse, the impossible just takes a little bit longer, but you have to believe and keep moving. Um, so, but having role models in my own home, you know, made an enormous difference for me. I never questioned that I couldn't do that. And then having, you know, a father who, and mother, who took such great risks at such a time, you know, made me believe that anything was possible. So, um, and then doing the yoga, of course, made everything possible. <laughs> it, it made more possible. I never thought I'd be standing on my head and bending over backwards, literally. Um, but I was never, I didn't grow up as an athlete, but um, yoga stimulated that in me. And it also helped open up other channels. It's all about the central nervous system. I had two neuroscientists as parents and I have a degree in psychology and design. So I say they did the hardware, I did the software. And um, so that was enormously helpful, you know, having that in house. And that's part of the reason I want to have Radivision. I want people to be able to see examples. That's why we created Black is the New Green. All these amazing Black founders have created companies, produced millions of dollars. Some of them are investors investing millions in other Black founders. And so having a role model is really important. Where are you going to see that? Well, you can see it on Radivision and you can see all these amazing women founders too. And you can see men founders. You can see everybody, you know, um, we want because anybody can do this. We are all born with a purpose. We are all born with talents. Um, and then it's just a matter of society creating a structure, you know, in a fertile framework for everybody's to be living up to their highest potential. And we're not even close. We're actually in reverse right now, which is heartbreaking for me as a mother whose children are getting ready to be parents, you know, to think of the world that we're leaving our grandchildren. So yeah, time for well, they, 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 I mean, there, there's a lot of scariness, but the, the beauty of, uh, about <laughs> all this converging technology is humanity um, can solve a lot of these problems with um, yes. global global warming and climate change, yes. and health and longevity. You know, I spent yes. um, a week. We can do that. We just need to align the financial structure to support the technology and the brilliant geniuses and passionate geniuses who are all make, trying to make this happen. And they need all the help. You don't need just the genius. You need, you know, the car has to be driven. The office mural has to be painted. You know, the kinks in the neck have to, you know, everybody has a, a way to contribute to the creation of the whole. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, I yeah. think um, as we move forward in uh, the metaverse and Web3 and the digital age, everyone's going to have to maintain a, a heart connection, the, the heart strings. And I think Radivision um, helps do that. Um, what, what can I do to help you, Mona? What do you need? I yeah, I think you've already done it. I mean, uh, you know, we're definitely still accepting investors. We're still able to accept angel investors right now for a short bit, um, but also refer companies. You know, the more companies that come in, it's free right now. You can set up Pitch Planet for free. You don't have to allocate marketing budget. You can start telling your story. So let us help you get the story out. And, um, you know, let's keep moving forward. And, um, you know, the power of AI comes from having many, many data points. You know, the, the more data, the more users you have, the stronger and better the AI becomes. And the same with us. So the more people who join, um, and it's again, free to join, 
um, the better we become at uh, promoting. And then we will have great data. I do believe the VCs will start to use Radivision to see who's building communities and who's, um, you know, getting traction. And, um, and then we would love to support emerging managers so that we have more people doing earlier stage investing, which is a huge gap in this country. You can't have chicken if you don't, if you don't have eggs. You know, we got to fertilize those eggs and get them rolling so we get more chicken. Um, and everybody wants the fried chicken dinner, you know, after IPO or right before IPO. Well, get those eggs fertilized and we'll get you a lot of fried chicken dinners. It's, those are easy. You know, that's the easy part. Um, so thank you for the opportunity to connect with you, Charles. Always a pleasure and your audience. And, um, you know, let us help you come visit Radivision. Will do. Well, thank you again, Mona, so much for sharing your, your vision and okay. your passion to um, build this entrepreneurial ecosystem and help um, small investors have opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise um, have. I want to thank my production team, Taylor Higgins and Seth Nielsen for producing everything. And if you've enjoyed this conversation with Mona, please tune in to um, and subscribe to our podcast and our YouTube channel. We appreciate your, your time. And thank you very much, Mona. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Ampex podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure not to miss future episodes and please rate the show wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to our awesome production team, Lindsay Soderberg, social and digital marketing, Taylor Higgins, video production, and Seth Nielsen, marketing. See you next time.